0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. I want to look in the book of Exodus before you're seated Exodus chapter 3 Verses 1 through 5, Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. I'm going to go ahead and preach this morning. And I want to simply title my message today, Will You Take Your Shoes Off? You may be seated. Will you take your shoes off? My title today is a bit comical, to me at least. Because it's something I hear, church, almost every day. Every time I enter... (laughs) Every time I enter my house, my wife will ask me, will you take your shoes off? Now I didn't grow up in a family where this was required, so I actually find it a little annoying. But I'm finally learning to take them off. I'm learning to just I've begun to just take them off at the door. Don't get me wrong, we fought about it several times. We used to argue about it all of the time. But I've begun to cave in and decided to start taking my shoes off at the door. That being said, church, I suppose I can at least thank my wife today for giving me the title of my message, Would You Take Your Shoes Off? (laughs) Now, our scripture is concerning Moses today, the great Hebrew prophet who led the Israelites out of Egypt and delivered the law during their years in the wilderness. And in scripture, uh, it became clear that Moses uh, was a man who was divinely appointed for a specific time and place in history. And God had used Moses and God had a purpose for Moses. But Moses' church was not so gifted and so unique that he was able to be used in ways that other men and women cannot be. In fact, he was a man of excuses. He was a man of shortcomings. He lacked talent and experience that other people had. And he was self-aware. He knew this and he questioned many times whether he could really do the things that God had called him to do. And if Moses never did what God had called him to do, well, God would have just used somebody else, somebody that was willing to be used. But nevertheless, Moses eventually ran out of excuses and he quit arguing with God and instead he got on God's side and realized that even though it was going to be scary and tough and tiresome, And frightening at times. If God had called him to do it, then it was up to God to help him do it. And in the same way, God has a mission for every single individual. God has a purpose for every person. Your life is not the product of chance. Your life is not random. Your life is not a cosmic accident. You didn't just so happen to be born into the life and the family in the environment that you were born into, but God has had your, his hand on your life from the very beginning, and he's planned it, and he's purposed it. Uh, but if... if we're really going to do what God wants us to do. If each of us are really going to walk the path that God wants us to walk, then we too are going to have to have a Moses moment where we decide to not give any more excuses and to quit running from it, and to quit telling ourselves there's no way that we can do it and realize that God, if God has truly called us to do it, then it's up to God to help us do it and equip us and empower us to do it. In church, God already factors in all of our imperfections. God already factors in all of our mess. He factored in the fact that Moses didn't speak with that elegant speech like the religious leaders of his day and that he lacked some confidence and that he would be impatient at times and he would be paralyzed by fear at some of the things that God would call him to do. But God worked it out and he's always willing to work it out if we are willing to walk the path that he's given us. I always like to say that, well, God doesn't need perfect people, and thank goodness he doesn't. He doesn't need perfect people. He just needs willing people. He needs somebody that he can work with, and he needs somebody that he can work on, and someone that's... Not afraid to pray and seek God despite all of their failures and all of their shortcomings and imperfections. And to call on the name of the Lord who can make sense of their mess. And to put divine purpose in their life and to put the broken pieces back together. God doesn't need perfect people. He needs prayerful people. Because prayerful people will seek him, and when they seek him, they will find him. And where the presence of God is, church, there is always purpose. And that's part of God's great plan for our life, that we would find him, that we would find his presence, so that then we would find our true purpose for life. People often want to know, they ask questions like, well, what is my purpose in life? What am I supposed to be doing? What is my calling? What should I be doing? What is God's plan for me and my family? And I wouldn't know, nor would anybody else, because you've got to be the one willing to get into the presence of God yourself and find it. You've got to be the one willing to search for it yourself, and you've got to be the one willing to lay aside all of your preconceived ideas of a good and successful life and all of your wishes and dreams and plans and, and really just get into the presence of God and, and ask him plainly, what is it, Jesus, that you want me to do? What is it that you're calling me to do? What is it that, that you have planned for me in this life? So that's what had become important to Moses to do the will of God. It would have been easy for Moses to continue a life, a career in Egypt, seeing that he had become, become part of the Egyptian royal family, he was raised and adopted and raised by Pharaoh's daughter, trained to be an Egyptian Pharaoh. It would have been easy to stay in Egypt. would have made sense to stay in Egypt. But he realized that he was going to have to lay that plan and that idea aside, even if everyone else disagreed, because that might not be the plan that God had for him. We find in scripture that It clearly was not God's will for Moses to stay in Egypt. And Moses would learn this himself as he would seek God and he would find the presence of God. And it was in God's presence that he began to find his true purpose and his true calling and what God really wanted him to do in this life. And while there was a purpose for his time in Egypt, Egypt could not produce the man that God needed. And the wisdom of Egypt as profound as it was and the science of Egypt as advanced as it was and the culture of Egypt as refined as it was, none of it could produce the kind of person that God needed because Egypt cannot produce a child of God. I spoke about Egypt a couple weeks ago and I think I mentioned it last week. I've been studying that part of the Bible, but Egypt represents the world. And the world cannot produce a child of God. We will never find a true and fulfilling God-given purpose from the world. People try, in fact most try, to use the world to find their purpose. But it's a very temporary and not completely fulfilling version of purpose. Because only lasting and fulfilling purpose comes from a lasting and fulfilling source which is God. A God-given purpose is the only thing that is lasting and fulfilling. And Moses would realize this. In fact, the closer that he got to God, the more distant he would find himself from Egypt. And when Moses turns his back on Egypt then, and only then does God begin to develop the man that will fulfill the purpose of God. And so separation from Egypt is incredibly important. Separation from Egypt is vitally important. It's important that we don't become swallowed up in the bondage of this world's way of living. That we understand that our soul, our soul, the eternal part of us, was not made for this world. Our soul needs more than the world. We must not make the mistake of just settling for the world. We must not make the mistake of putting the things of this life ahead of the things of God so that we have no time to pray, no time for the word of God, no time for his presence, no time to seek him, no time to nurture the soul because our soul is crying out. Our soul is in despair. Our our soul is desperate. Our soul is thirsty. Our soul longs for more. The world won't do. Egypt won't do. Temporary things just won't do. It needs true purpose. It needs fulfillment. Our soul, the eternal part of us, it longs for something more. And so the only thing of real value in this life is what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to be. And one day if we're ever going to fulfill the plan that God has placed upon our life. We will too have to turn our back on Egypt. And the corrupting influence of the world. And find true freedom and and true liberation from the grip of sin. And darkness and addiction and fleshly habits. And temporary pleasures that bring no lasting joy or peace to the soul. Our soul longs for more. Our soul is desperate for more. As the psalmist said, deep calleth unto deep. The deep things of man long for the deep things of God. Temporary things just don't do. The inner man longs for something eternal, something lasting, something deep, something real, something that will still matter when this world is done and over. And so God could not use Moses while Egypt was in his heart. Likewise, he cannot use us when the world takes up residence in our heart. It just won't work when we love the world more than we love Jesus. I said it won't work when we love the world more than we love Jesus. I'm reminded of that old simple song, Take the world but give me Jesus. Until we get to a point in our life where we really mean that, where we can genuinely say with our whole heart, take the world, but give me Jesus. There's still something in us, church, that needs to be surrendered because it's either the world or it's Jesus. It's not a popular message, but it's still true that the heart must be completely surrendered to God. All control must be let go. All personal intentions must be let go. All of our plans and dreams and wishes must be let go. The heart must be willing to be let go of anything and everything to find that authentic and that lasting God-given purpose for our life that then in in return will bring lasting fulfillment. And so just as there came a time and a place in the life of Moses where he had to surrender the things of Egypt, there there comes a time in our life of every individual whom whom the God will use where we too must abandon our pursuit of the things of the world and follow instead the will and purpose of God for our life. And then the Bible says one day God took Moses from Egypt to the backside of the desert. Moses sees a sight he's never seen before, a burning bush, but yet it's not being consumed. I believe this moment is more than just a demonstration of God's power and glory, but I believe it's God showing Moses what his life can be what his life can look like. The glory of God is about to settle upon him and and though he's just a mere man of flesh and blood, he will not be destroyed by this fire. The whole bush is about to become engulfed in flame. And as this is happening, Moses is about to be consumed with a singular passion for his life. He is about to be commissioned to become the greatest leader that Israel ever had. To put it simply, he is about to be set on fire for God. But then, church, there was the matter of the shoes, Scripture says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. As Moses draws near to God, God stops him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. The shoes, what's up with the shoes, church? I've, I've often wondered what the significance of the shoes were. I suppose it could signify Moses' own control over his life. Or I suppose it could resemble the way that Moses would like to walk or the path that he would like to take. Whatever it is, God asked him to surrender. Take off your shoes, he says. This is a pivotal moment for Moses. If he doesn't take off his shoes, he will never walk in the will and the purpose of God. That's how important this is, that he begins to unbuckle those sandals and take them off. Take off your shoes, God says. He could have argued with God. Many probably would have. What do my shoes have to do with anything? They keep me warm. They comfort me. They protect me. I'm used to wearing shoes. I always wear shoes. Everybody wears shoes. Why can't I wear shoes? Without shoes, I suppose Moses would become vulnerable, unprotected, maybe uncomfortable. Or maybe the shoes didn't matter at all. Maybe God didn't even care about the shoes. Maybe he just wanted to see if Moses was willing to surrender them. Maybe it was just a test of the heart. Are you willing to let go of anything? Are you willing to let go of that which makes you comfortable? Are you willing to surrender anything and everything, even if it just doesn't even make sense? And when Moses begins to take those sandals off, he begins to unbuckle those sandals and take them off. He was making one of the biggest decisions of his life. No, church, it it wasn't about the shoes. It it wasn't about the sandals. It wasn't about the feet. It was about the heart, his willingness to surrender everything within the heart. Let me tell you what happened at that burning bush that day. It's the same thing that happened in the upper room in the book of Acts. Moses surrendered his will to God. He surrendered self-will and his own desires and plans and dreams. He opened his heart to everything that God had for him. That burning bush that he saw, that's what he wanted for his life. A heart burning on fire for God. A life consumed by the fire of God. A life filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to be set on fire for God as that burning bush was. And Moses would go on to resemble that burning bush. And he would become one of the greatest prophets and the greatest leaders Israel ever had. All because... He was willing to surrender his shoes. Consider those in the upper room in the book of Acts who surrendered their all to God. They too desired the the fire of God to fall on them. They wanted to catch fire. And they did church. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to turn their world upside down. Why? Because they were willing to surrender Consider Peter, who was both a friend and a follower of Jesus. He denied even knowing Jesus. He lied about his association with Jesus. Yet he became the man who preached to the multitudes and saw countless people come to their knees. All because he once again, for a second time church, came to a place of surrender It's important to note that you can surrender again even after already knowing Jesus. Chances are there's probably more in us that needs to be surrendered. Consider Paul who went from an enemy of the church to an evangelist of truth all because he was willing to surrender God is calling somebody in this place to surrender your shoes, to finally and once and for all, starting today at this present moment, to begin to submit your ways to Him. Maybe today you're asking yourself, How can I find my true purpose? How can I catch fire? How can I know God better? How can I have a greater encounter with God? Has everything to do with one word surrender. God says, take off your shoes if you want to walk on holy ground. If you want more of me, if you want to experience the more, if you want a greater encounter, you're going to have to leave what you brought with you at the door. Take off your sandals, Moses. It's time to surrender. Let's stand, church. For Moses... It was his shoes. But for you and I, it's something different. It's something else. What is God calling you to surrender? One of these days, the world is going to stand in judgment before the judge of the whole earth, and there's going to be a lot of excuses thrown God's way. A lot of people are going to say a lot of different things, but no excuse will do. People will say stuff like this. I just didn't see it that way. It just didn't make sense to me. I just didn't understand why. I wanted to do it my way. I thought I knew a better way. I didn't have time. I was too old. I was too shy. I didn't possess the talent. I wasn't gifted in that way. I didn't know how to do it. Or God, you just didn't understand. There was no way that I could live that kind of life. There is no way that I could surrender that. It would be too hard for me. There is no way that I could do that. Moses tried many of these excuses too, but eventually he understood that no excuse would work. Because despite any excuse we will try to give God, he is still going to ask one day, why didn't you surrender? Because I was going to help you and I was going to equip you and I was going to provide for you. You would have been able to do it with my help. Church, I want you to think specifically, specifically about your life today, the cares of your life, The worries of your life, the things you run to, the things that consume your life, the difficulties in your life, the things that seem impossible, the things that keep you up at night, the things that bother you, the things you deal with, the addictions or sins in your life, the things that you try to hide. I want you to think specifically about your life today. What is it that you need to surrender What is it that you've been holding back? What is it that you've been holding on to week after week, month after month, year after year? Because that thing is probably what's stopping you from knowing God like he wants you to. That burning bush, can you imagine that burning bush? That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to set you on fire for him. He wants his Holy Spirit to come upon you. Moses, it's time to take off the sandals. Moses, it's time to take off the shoes. Will you take them off? Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.